as well as a kind of summary and just asking the Lord for, for his gifts again. Um, so I'm excited to see what God has for us tonight. You know, um, when, when, we, when we feel God calling us to speak on things, um, we believe that there's, there's grace for us to step into them. So, you know, this is not, um, we're not speaking for intellectual entertainment or, you know, um, some sort of verification of our theology. We are trying to learn about God and we're trying to learn his will for us as a body um, and as his children. And so as I speak on faith tonight, I am excited because I, I believe that this gift is for some of us. You know, if his gifts are going to be represented in this body as a whole, then some of us are going to have this gift. Um, but, but maybe more than any other gift, um, this is perhaps the gift which I, which I see most in terms of the, the theologians that I've read who, who talk about it being a gift which, which can come sort of momentarily when we need it, that the Holy Spirit moves with this gift. Um, and so it really is for all of us, um, but it may be particularly powerful for some of us. Okay, um, so as I, as I speak, if you, if you feel your heart getting excited or your spirit getting excited, then you know, take a note of that. Uh, that's often how the Holy Spirit will speak to us, that we, that we get drawn to Scripture, we get drawn to an idea about the Holy Spirit or about Jesus. Okay, so, so be, be aware of what's going on. Um, I also, um, Matt talked a bit about our pre-service prayer, um, and I, I also believe that part of what God wants to do tonight is to bring hope again to some of us. That maybe some of us have had faith or had situations which have been challenging, um, and, we, and we've just been disappointed, or we've not known why God has done what he's done. Um, and I believe part of what God wants to do tonight is restore hope. And that's a real part of faith is how we understand Jesus and how we know Jesus and how we have hope in him. Okay. Um, and if that is you um, and that resonates with you, please um, just keep talking to the Lord about it or, or come get prayer um, after tonight. Okay, after, after I preach. We would love to go before the Father with each other here in prayer. So... Um, this gift, like, um, discer like discernment or work of miracles, it's only explicitly mentioned this one time. Okay. Um, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, to some is given the, the gift of faith. Now, faith obviously is different to discernment in that faith is throughout Scripture. Um, and as I was reading Scripture and preparing for this talk, it, it, could, you know, it was very easy for me to slip into a sermon on, on faith and the nature of faith. Um, but that's actually not... Um, I mean, it's part of what this gift is, but it's, it's kind of a different topic, deeply connected but separate. Because um, the reality is that we all have faith, all of us. We are all saved by faith. We live by faith. We believe by faith. We are saved by faith. So we all have faith, all of us, to some degree. If you're sitting here and you call yourself a Christian, by definition, you are operating and living in faith. Okay, and that's a great thing. And that's a glorious thing. And that's the start of so much with our walk with the Lord. But obviously when Paul's talking about a gift of faith, he must be talking about something slightly deeper. A deeper expression of faith or, or, or a deeper flow of faith. 
by God's Spirit. Um, so I was reading um, Sam Storm's book again, as, as I like to do when it, we talk about the gifts. Um, and he said that, that perhaps we should call this supernatural faith. Okay, that that's, that, that's the kind of, he has a few words he throws around, but that's the one he kind of settles on. That this is supernatural faith. Because he sees it very much as faith that flows in the moment and that it's faith that partners with whatever God is doing in the moment. Um, and, and I'll talk about that. I, and I think he's right. It certainly has been how I've experienced it on a few occasions. Um, but you know, maybe, um, and I'll talk about this as well a little bit later, but I, but I do believe all the gifts are in many people permanent and they characterize um, people's lives and their, and their walk with the Lord. And so I do believe that the gift of faith can also be a gift. Um, and like I said, there are some people in this room that have this gift. Lisa, I think you have this gift, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> so when... Um, Maybe, maybe like me, I don't know if this is just a guy thing or a South African thing or a competitive thing, but um, we're growing up in the church thing. It was just a me thing, you know, obviously. Um, but, you know, there's so many scriptures about believing in God and seeing God do mighty things if we just believe. And have you ever prayed for someone who's sick or needs healing and you're just, and you're like, and you're just striving? If, like, if I can just believe enough, God will heal them. It's not just me, is it, Matt? No, it's Amanda as well. Yes. So um, we, <laughs> we, try and, we try and create faith, you know, engineer faith, build up faith, strive for faith. Um, and there is a way that we are responsible for faith, okay, and, I, and, I, and I'll get there, but it's a slightly different way of looking at it. Um, but that was, my, that was my history, okay? Like, if, if it, it was basically all about me. If I can just believe Jesus enough, he will answer my prayers. And the more that I've studied faith and the more that I've looked at this gift of faith, the more I think it's not about, or maybe how we understand believing is a better way to put it. But this is something I've been saying constantly throughout the series, that it, it, it is always going to come down to how much we know him and how much we are surrendered to him how much we know and understand the reality of what he's done for us. That it's not about us kind of engineering faith, but being a people that are intimate with him, that are available to him, so that when he has something that he wants to do, we are ready to partner with him in faith and see him move. I'm going to read some scriptures. I'm going to kind of jump around scriptures. Some of them I'll go into. Some I'm just going to throw at you and let you meditate on them. Mark 11, verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, 
and you will have them. So, yeah, this is a really great scripture for name and claim it for prosperity gospel. And it's also the root of many of my problems. If I could just believe enough, I would get it. Okay. And people who know me know I really like cars, and I'd really like a nice car, and it, it seldom works. Um, it has worked once, but not, you know, it was a long time ago. Um, that's a different story. But, you know, there's this idea within, maybe when I was younger I didn't see this, but, you know, if, if, if you were to say to me, you know what, the Lord loves you, the Lord has put his spirit inside you, and you can have whatever you ask for in prayer, that would scare me silly. Because I am not sovereign. I'm not all wise. I'm not all knowing. That just terrifies me. And I don't think that, that's what Jesus meant. Because I, I am his son, but I am fallen. I, li- I have limited vision. But what I do want, what I do want is to have faith and to live my life with the expectation that God will use me and will flow through me so that I am available for those times when he does speak, that I will pray and I will have what I pray for because I am praying his prayers, not my own. And that's again, that's why intimacy and love and knowing him is so important. You know, there's that scripture which I think is every charismatic's nightmare scripture where Jesus separates people for eternal life and these people who cry out Lord, Lord and he says not everyone who cries out to me Lord, Lord will be saved and they say but we prophesied in your name and we healed and we did all these miracles and he says get away from me I didn't know you that that verse terrifies me (laughs) as well you know it's not about it's not about the signs and the wonders of God those things can flow but it's a curious scripture that we can operate in these most amazing gifts, but not know Jesus. Yeah, that should tell us something about the power of his name if we actually believe. (laughs) But Jesus wants something deeper. He wants to know us. Okay, and if you've heard a sermon on that scripture before, you know that when Jesus says no, he's talking about the same way that husband and wife know each other. Okay, it's deep knowing. That's his priority. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. It's so simple. (laughs) If we believe. But in this case, he adds this, because I am going to the Father. And we know later in John, he says that he and the Father will come and make their home in us. That it's all about relationship. But a scripture which I think points to the gift of faith quite nicely is Matthew 14, verse 24. I know we know this one well, but um, let's just read a few verses here. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. 
Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Peter walked on the water. Peter broke the laws of physics. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? You know, we, there's books written about this, isn't there? Get on the out on the side of the boat or whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> and so often we, we, we focus on verses 30 and 31. But, you know, obviously I pause because I, I wanted to, to see that Peter gets out the boat. And this, I, I see the gift of faith here. That he responds to Jesus saying, come. Nothing in the natural can tell Peter that this is a good idea. But there's something in him that partners with what Jesus has said. This is Jesus saying, come. So I'm going to, I'm going to obey. And as he steps out, he is obeying the will of God. And that will of God, that word of Jesus is greater than physical reality. That's such a beautiful thing. And I, you know, I, you look at this and think, wow, like if this, if this is little faith, how minute must mine be? Like, would I have got out the boat? Would I have, like, f- taken one step, maybe, or two? But I think it's really interesting the way it's translated that Peter begins to sink. Because often, you know, I might think of it like I'm walk- he's walking on the water and then suddenly he's just, you know, underneath. But it says he begins to sink. And I think this is a really curious moment in the scripture. That if he's responding to Jesus saying, come, I have you. You can do this. And he walks on the water and then he begins to sink. And that moment that he's beginning to sink, he has a choice that he can choose to step back into that gift of faith that he was walking in, in obeying Jesus. Or he can stay focused on the waves and continue to sink. And I think it's the moment where he cries out, Jesus, save me. But that's the moment where he steps out of the gift of faith that was operating. And I wonder if he would have kind of elevated up out of the water again if he had agreed back with the Spirit in faith. Jesus was clearly calling Peter into the impossible. Um, it does seem a little unfair. Like, why did you doubt? Like, this is impressive already, Lord, what he's done. Okay. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's, this word doubt, is, is, it can be translated as hesitate or, or waver as well. You know, why do you hesitate? And when you think about this, this is an image of the gift of faith. Think about this, this, this gift of faith as being about a, a walking in agreement with Jesus that what he has declared will happen. What he has said will come to pass. And we must believe and agree with that promise regardless of what else is going on around us. 
Okay. Regardless. And of course, that is a, um, that is a challenge. Um, it's easy, it is easy for us to kind of on one hand veer to the sort of prosperity gospel uh, yeah, and, and claim things, uh, you know, and that's not the gift of faith. That's not agreeing with the Holy Spirit because this is not about just taking general things that are said in Scripture. This is about being actively in relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit and walking in agreement with Him. Okay, again, living faith. Um, but sometimes, and you know, maybe you've been in this position, you may think that God's telling you to do something and you stand on it and then people say all sorts of things against you. They call you stupid or they call you naive. They tell you to grow up. You know, maybe some of you have experienced that. And you know, I've been there. I've, I've done that. And funny enough, if I was to tell you, and I don't have time to tell you this really long story, but if I was to tell you probably my most embarrassing standing on faith story, you would think I was absolutely insane. And funny enough, in, at the end of that story, um, I went to you, and after weeks and weeks of belie- believing for something, I went to Kath and I said, Kath, am I mad? Am I just being stupid? And we prayed together, and she said, you're not going to get what you think or what you're asking for. But he's really happy with you, having such high expectations. So he's going to give you something. It's not what you want, but it's going to be good. And about a week later, he did. And it was crazy good. And in many ways, actually better than the thing I was asking for. But only hindsight could show me that. So... um, Getting back to, um, you know, Sam Storm says that this, this gift is often, like, momentary. Um, and in the times that I've experienced it, um, well, let me put it this way. It's easier to step into the gift of faith when you feel the Holy Spirit and you sense the Holy Spirit moving really powerfully. So, you know, sometimes, you know, we talk about hearing God's voice. And is it God's voice or is it my voice? And do you know those moments? Again, we've had those conversations. But you know when you really know it's God's voice? Or you feel him move through you? It's a lot easier to step into the gift of faith when he's so explicit about what he is doing. And so, you know, Sam Storms describes it as this kind of surge of belief or or knowing that God is going to do something and he's asking us to step into it. And, and that has been my experience. Um, um, Paul Walker, who I've mentioned before, he writes the commentary on the Holy Spirit in, in my Bible. Um, he talks about four ways that he sees this. He sees the gift playing out. Um, and, and the first one is the supernatural ability to believe God without doubt. Yeah, the supernatural ability to believe God without doubt. And, and, you know, and I see Peter walking on the water before he sinks, anyway. You know, I see that as a good example. Um, I think one of the most powerful examples um, in my life was um, how we obtained our farm, um, which many of you have been to. And, um, and again, I'm just going to tell you some nutshell stories here just because of time. But when I, I was looking for a home, we were, our family was about, was about to get kicked out of our rental. And if you know rentals in Upland, there's not very many great places. 
And I drove past uh, this farm, which is now ours, and I, I noticed that it was really old and run down, and there were sh things down in the windows. No one was living there. So I pulled into the driveway, and I got out of my car, and I looked up, and there are these beautiful, huge sycamore trees, which I just love. Um, and the Holy Spirit said to me, this will be your home. And it was interesting because um, about a year before we came to America, we prayed with a person who was very prophetic. And it was just a general prayer. We were just asking for a blessing you know, for our lives. And this person said, um, the Lord is going to restore land to you. And both my family and Kat's family um, used to have huge farms. And for various reasons, they lost their farms, um, not by any fault of their own. Um, and it was such a wonderful promise. I will restore land to you. And so I hear the Holy Spirit saying, this will be your home. And then I was told the next day that this family will never sell the land. They've owned it since 1832. They will never sell it. People have tried for years. They will never sell it. And I thought, well, the Holy Spirit said it's going to be my home. So I can listen to these people saying they will never sell. Or I could ask them if they want to sell and so I wrote them a letter. And I just sent it to an address that had something to do with the company that held the farm. And a few days later, I got an email saying, we live in Arizona, um, and we're going to fly up and see you. And not only did they fly all day to, from Arizona at their own cost to talk to us about selling this land that has been in their families since 1832, but they then offered us more of their land than we were asking for. And they were willing to give it to us for half the price that it was worth. And they ended up asking us what we were able to pay. What could we afford that could see the farm come into our possession? How many people sell property like that? <laughs> it's not normal. And then, you know, Tyler, Matt, and Amanda, you, know, we, you guys were still students, and we went to the house and we sat on the porch, some of the, you know, us and some students, and we prayed, Lord, this is your word. You've promised this to us. We, 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 we claim it because you've promised it. And a lot of people told us we were mad and it would never happen. You could never afford it. We couldn't even get a mortgage. Okay? Because of being foreigners and our credit scores were terrible. We couldn't get a mortgage. There were so many things that would say, you won't get this. But God had said, this will be yours. The second thing that Paul Walker talks about is a supernatural ability to combat unbelief. A supernatural ability to combat unbelief. And this can be, um, I believe this can be personal, and this can also be corporate. Have you ever been around people who have a lot of faith for something? And have you felt the power of that faith affect you? This is not just about ourselves. You know, this has a corporate element. I remember once, um, Kath and I felt very strongly that we were supposed to go to, to, um, to Bethel uh, Church in Reading and... Um, we were in South Africa on holiday. Really long story short, um, basically we couldn't get to America because my wife's passport had expired. And um, we were in South Africa, which is not known for its bureaucratic excellence. 
and we had to fly back to England. We had two days to pick up the passport, and then we would fly out to America. So we both, mine had also expired, so we applied for both our passports to be renewed. And we phoned them a week or so before we had to leave to fly out, and they said, your passport's great, it's like in process, it's gonna be there by this date, it was like the day before that we needed it to be there. Um, but your wife's one, we don't know where it is. And I said, well, that's odd. Like, how does that happen? We said, well, actually, we don't know because passports are so tightly regulated that they go through various stages, and at each stage, they are, the barcode is used so that they know where the passport is and to prevent fraud. And they say, we went through the first stage, and then we lost it. Okay, the very first stage. Um, and so it couldn't be even scanned at the next stages, like it's gone. You're going to have to reapply. Or wait, and we might find it. We never know. So I phoned the next day. We don't know where it is. Phone the next day. We don't know where it is. Phone the next day. We don't know where it is. I phoned two days before we leaving South Africa. So even the best news that they could have given me was we found it. We're putting it through the process, and it's going to take at least two to three weeks to process, another week to travel to England. And I've got like two or three days. So I put the phone down. I went to, we're staying by the sea. I went, to, I went and prayed by the ocean, big waves. I could shout at God and scream and pray. And, and, I, and I told the Lord, like, this was not acceptable. You had told us that we were going to America. You told us this is important for what you want to do in our lives. And now we have no passport. We can't go. You need to fix this. And then I started declaring the promises of God that this passport was necessary and it would be provided and nothing would stand in the way. And I declared in the faith of what God had promised. And I finished praying, and I went back, and I phoned the passport people. And they said, yeah, your passport's in London. It's ready for you to pick up. <laughs> and I was like, so what happened to, we don't know. But all I can tell you is that it's, it's there for pickup. And I was like, okay, thank you, Lord. Um, that was cool. <laughs> And again, I, I emphasize that you know, was, I wasn't kind of naming and claiming. I was just claiming what God had already told me. And I saw this as an, an assault of the enemy. I saw this as spiritual warfare that was stopping us going to America. And when we did go to America, that trip changed our lives. At the very least, I was healed of psoriasis, which was amazing. Okay, and that was one of the smaller things that happened. So the third thing that Paul Walker says is a supernatural ability to meet adverse circumstances with trust in God's messages and words. And you'll see there's you know, spillover. I think both my stories would fit into that. And just, you know, just for time, I, I won't share any stories, but I'd, you know, I'd say think about Gideon. Think about the, the faith that Gideon was able to walk in when God was saying, go and fight your enemy and get rid of these soldiers and those soldiers and take this little band. And he trusted God. The fourth thing that Paul Walker says is an inner conviction impelled by an urgent and higher calling. An inner conviction impelled by an urgent and higher calling. And I, um, in, all of these, in all of these cases, when I've 
be in these situations and pray, you know, and, and, and this idea of this, because the old timers call it unction of the spirit or something, the unction, you know, the sense of the spirit moving through us. Um, when, when Joe was just a wee laddie, um, um, he, he, was, he was sick a lot. He almost died um, when he was a baby. Um, and he was, every few weeks he would be sick, fevers, you know, and stomach flu, and just it was painful. Um, and I, I, re- I remember once I came, um, I came home from, from university in Bristol, and Cass said, Joe's sick again, he's got a fever. He's, he's upstairs in our bed. We go and see him. And I walked up the stairs, and I and I walked into the room, and and I, I would pray for him. Obviously, you know, pray for my son. Lord, will you heal him? I do that all the time. But there was something different this time. As as I looked at him, I I could feel, um, I could feel this anger in me, and it was a righteous anger, and it and it kind of started in my toes, and it and it poured through my body. And so when I prayed, I didn't pray, you know, Lord, will you please heal Joe? I rebuked fever and I rebuked sickness off him. And I can't say in that moment that I heard the Lord say, I'm going to heal him. But I knew that God was going to heal him because I could feel the power of the Holy Spirit going through my body and literally leaving my body as I prayed for him. And the moment that I rebuked fever, it went. That is the clearest miracle of healing that I've ever seen. But I see it as a, as a, as a miracle of faith. So, you know, I don't talk about walking in a, a healing ministry, anything like that. But there was something in the way that God was moving in that moment, that urge of God's will to be done. And he wasn't just healed in that moment, but he became healthy. He would still get sick, you know, occasionally like normal kids would. But less than his friends now. It was like God reset his immune system at the same time. When, um, when Peter heals the, um, the layman on the steps of the temple in Acts 3, um, and I talk about this occasionally. It's a scripture that I, that I love, and it, it intrigues me, and it tortures me a little bit as well. Um, you know, the lame man asks for money, and Peter says, what I have, I give you. Okay. But he says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. I find it really interesting that, that he kind of compares it to a possession. It, whatever this it is, what I have. I don't have gold, I don't have silver, I don't have those things in my possession, but I have something else in my possession. And I, you know, as I've wrestled and as I've prayed and as I've thought about that scripture, I see that he had two things which are completely accessible to us. The first is that he had faith in Jesus. Because he says later, it is by the name of Jesus, faith in Jesus, that this man was healed. And the second thing that he had was knowledge of Jesus. He had intimacy with Jesus. He understood Jesus. He understood his ways. And I believe in that moment, this first miracle that was done by the disciples after Jesus' resurrection, Peter was stepping into a gift of faith. 
There's no Jesus standing behind him anymore saying, go and declare my kingdom. Go, raise the dead, heal the sick. This is between him and the Holy Spirit now. What I have, I give you. Be healed. In the name of Jesus. So going back to what I was saying before, I don't think that the gift of faith is a gift that we can strive for. But I do think it's a gift that we can cultivate. And we cultivate it by getting to know Jesus, by understanding his ways, by being his friend. And the stories that I've told and the stories that I've read, this gift of faith always seems to operate in two ways. It's always the person feels or senses the Holy Spirit doing something or they hear the Holy Spirit doing something. And if we, if we haven't cultivated a relationship with him, that we know his spirit, that we know what it feels like, that we know what his voice sounds like, then it's going to be really hard for us to step into this gift. But to encourage you as well, these stories that I've, I've told, the assurance in them has been so deep that faith has been easy. Challenging, you know, at times, but still easy. And that's the wonderful thing about the gift of faith, because it's the gift that the Holy Spirit gives us. The Holy Spirit comes into us, you know, and He's walking in agreement with us. We are agreeing with His power and His word and His way. We don't have to make it up, but we partner with Him. So don't strive for this. If it's something that you want to explore, then I just I think the best thing is just to get on your knees and say, Jesus, show me what this gift looks like. Let me know you more. Let me know you better. The world around us needs a people who, who don't just have faith, but walk in faith. And walk in the faith that God wants us to partner with Him and see His kingdom come. And you will see God do amazing things in your lives with this gift. But the world needs this. So will you pray with me? Yeah, and maybe this is a gift you want and you can just say in your heart, yes, Lord. Maybe you will just say, yes, Lord, like, I'm here. If you, if you want to use me in a situation where faith is poured out, I'm, I'm your man or your woman. Jesus, we um, were singing earlier tonight uh, and singing songs of praise. You are you're so worthy of our praise. You're so worthy of our attention. You're so worthy of, of all of us. Lord, I pray that um, for those of us who have, who have a history 
of striving for faith or um, trying to make the promises of Scripture dependent on, on our actions. Where, we, where religion has told us that we have to get everything absolutely right before we'll see you move. Will you, just, will you strip those things away from us, Lord? Jesus, you are our righteousness. You make us clean. You make us a place where the Father comes to dwell, where he can come to dwell by your blood. And none of us are excluded. All you ask for is hearts that are surrendered to you. Lord, we do. We surrender to you. We surrender to your ways and your will. Lord, I ask that you would pour out this gift of faith on your children. Well, there might be some here who are, who are crying out for this, who, who desire it. Lord, maybe there's some who you plan on giving this gift to who don't see it yet. But I ask that you would pour out the gift of faith by your Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice, that we would sense your Spirit, that we would know your will that we can step into what you are doing, that we can pray what was already willed in heaven, and that we declare with faith, knowing that what is done in heaven will be done on earth, and not by any power of ours, but simply because we are partnering with you what you are doing, what you are saying. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray, I pray your blessing over every one of your sons and daughters in this place. Lord, let hope arise in us. Jesus, let intimacy increase in us. We love you, Lord. We give ourselves to your purposes. In Jesus' name. Amen.